Hey everyone, this is No One Knows Anything. We are coming at you right now from Philadelphia, home of the Democratic National Convention. I am currently sitting in our press pavilion right outside the Wells Fargo Arena. Of course, something historical is happening here in Philadelphia, right outside where I'm sitting right now, which is the first woman ever to be nominated as a major party candidate. But earlier this week, we at BuzzFeed had our own historical event, a live show at the Trocadero Theater in Philadelphia. No one knows anything teamed up with our fellow BuzzFeed podcasts. So that's Tracy Clayton from Another Round, and then Katie Natopoulos and Ryan Broderick from Internet Explorer. It was a night of historical moments, and we put some of them together for you in today's podcast. First, a new national anthem from musician Gene Gray. Then, an interview with Texas Congressman Joaquin Castro here in Philly for the DNC. Finally, Tracy, Katie, Ryan, and I play a round of Drunken Debates, a game you might recognize from another round in which all the debaters get drunk and argue for whatever topic they pull randomly out of a hat. Something you should know, because it comes up a few times during the episode, our audience was gathered with their delegations, their emotional state delegations. We had delegates from Can't Even, Hangry, and the Shruggy Emoticon. You'll hear them cheering together throughout the night. So without further ado, here's Jean Grey with a six-minute-long ode to some of the things that America holds dear. Distinguished delegates, Republicans and Democrats, podcasters and podcastees, Pokemon goers and Pokemon stoppers, welcome to BuzzFeed's historical event. Let us all come together during this invocation as we prepare to bear witness to something historical hysterical, and histrionic. Because America. This is a live podcast taping, so please mute your cell phones. Silence is golden, much like Donald Trump's liquid butter spray tape. And you can check your emails later when they show up in the next DNC WikiLeaks dump. Now if you would all please rise, remove your hats and oculus rips, and place your hands over your hearts. Here now to sing the national anthem, please give a warm welcome to Jean Grey! Now, I know as we're all very familiar with this version of the song, what we normally do is put our left hands over our hearts, but a lot of us are holding drinks, and frankly, your alcohol is more important. So use whatever hand you need to. And of course, as usual, in the beginning of our national anthem, we all close our eyes. So just close your eyes right now. Close them. And imagine an eagle flying majestic. Look at him, his wingspan is fantastic. He's very fucking regal. That's, oh shit, that eagle just got shot. Land of the free and the strong. So much strength, it's hard to put into a song. From the lakes to the great open plains. 
so much power. It's like the continent is on cocaine. Oh, forefathers, you slave masters, beat and kill and also a lot of genocide. Have some smallpox, hear their laughter. Everyone should have stayed inside. You know this part. Guns and guns and guns and cheeseburgers, America. Guns and guns and racing cars. Guns and guns, racism and murder, America. Wow, America, you've come so far. Home of baseball and apple pie. Keys for triumphant burned on your lawn in the night. And everyone's an immigrant. But not if you're old and a man in white, then owning this land is your right. Way behind so many other places who already have free health care for life but say anything and gene you're a racist even though that's not how that works sing it with me guns and guns and guns and cheeseburgers guns and guns and racing cars America guns and guns and Fun racism and murder. Wow, America, you've come so far. All right, it's the dance portion of the song, and everybody knows in America, the only thing that's not any more American than America is shaking your ass blindly while some other shit goes on. So please put your hands in the air right now. It's okay to dance. In fact, do it! Dance America! Dance America! Dance America! Get lit! Why are you still sitting down? Get lit! America! Dance America! Dance America! Can you just bend over a little bit for him? Just bend over a little bit for him? Just, just a little to that side. Just, just come on! Hey, hey, come on, I'm doing a chant. Hey, hey! America, hey, 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 make it rain! <laughs> Superior in every way, unless you're trying to love each other, but you're gay. And I might be deported immediately following election day. Apparently blatant discrimination is back. Just say whatever, it's fucking okay, I guess. Guns and guns and guns and cheeseburgers. Guns and guns and fancy racing cars. Guns and guns and bacon cheeseburgers. Wow, America, you've come so Far. Thank you.
I know, right? Are we making it easy for you to get that the world outside of this building is like crumbling and burning to ash right now? All right. Evan. How are you? Uh, I've recovered from that shot. This, this, this is going along very well, I think. Yeah. Doing really well. I'm having a blast, I'll tell you what. And I'm really excited about our next part of the show. What's the next part of the show? Well, we have an actual living congressman here <laughs> with us to talk. A living one. To talk about politics and what's actually going on down the road. So, so the a little bit of my time. So the congressman that I, I specifically requested is not here. We have a live congressman. <laughs> that's right. Live, that's right. Outrageous. The undead congressman. We couldn't get that one to come. God. Um, so we have Congressman Joaquin Castro with us from Texas. Hey, Texas in the house, Texas. All right, all right. So Congressman Castro grew up in San Antonio. Okay. He went to Stanford and then Harvard Law. That's crazy. Very smart guy. He was first elected to the Texas State Representative uh, in 2002, went to Congress in 2012, in Congress, he serves an Armed Services Committee, Foreign Affairs Committee, Intel Committee. He's in the leadership as a deputy whip for the Democrats. This guy's like, I a, don't know what that like is. a mover and shaker in Washington. And a fact, I asked his office for a fact about him, and they wanted us to note that he has an uglier twin brother. His people said that? His people said that. Wow, that's amazing shade. So let's, let's bring out the handsome Castro. <laughs> Congressman Castro, come on up. Come on out, yay! So you're right there. Thank you for joining us, handsome Castro brother. The handsome, the handsome Castro. Now I feel like the stiff person because I have the tie and I took my jacket off at least, but you know. You know what it shows. You feel very relaxed. Very. um, Can we can we offer you some alcohol? Will that help? Uh, Well, uh, I have a few more events. Otherwise, I would have a drink with you guys. But I'll take some water if you have it. Just wait till I get over to the. It'll make the the events better. (laughs) I tell politicians this all the time. Just do a shot before you go to your thing. (laughs) If I do a shot, I probably won't walk off the stage. You'll have to drag me off the stage. Okay, I will. After the tonight is over, I think. After the convention is over tonight, you'll probably be doing a lot of shots. I think. most Democrats will. Uh, well, that's thank my, you. That's the commentary portion of the evening. All right, let's get into it. Let's do this. <laughs> thank you so much for joining us. Um, in Evan's intro, we learned that you have a twin brother who apparently your folks say is not as handsome as you are. I'm not commenting that's on right. it. It's not my business. I try to, you know, I try well, to... Well, if, if you saw him, you would agree. If he was standing <laughs> right here, you would agree with me. I love the shade. I love it. Uh, so here's my question. Identical twins have always fascinated me, right? I imagine that they all speak a secret made-up language that nobody else can understand, and you always switch places in school because you might be better at math, so you go take his math <laughs> test, you know? Now, so I didn't take any tests for him, and really? he didn't take any tests for me. No. Um, but do you or have you ever switched places that way? How do we know that we're talking you know, to Joaquin things. and not Julian yeah, right yeah. now? <laughs> How do we know? Well, actually, we got accused of switching places once what? on a river parade when he was running for mayor. Uh-huh. And it was about two weeks before his race. And this is at this time, he was on city council and I was in the state legislature. And the city council used to have a barge in San Antonio. If you guys have been to San Antonio, there's a beautiful river. It's one of the most visited sites for tourism in Texas. And about three times a year, they have a river parade. So. My brother didn't have a wife yet, he didn't have kids, and he invited me to come with him. So I get to the parade, I get to the riverboat, and it's about five minutes before we're leaving. 
the, the boat's supposed to take off, and I called my brother, and I said, hey, you know, where are you? You know, you're supposed to be here. He said, I'm, I'm stuck at a neighborhood association meeting, and I'm not going to make it. So, <laughs> you know, so I'm on the boat, and I'm waving to people as we're going by and everything, <laughs> and, you know. And his, one of his opponents that was running for mayor also is right next to me, and people were yelling my brother's name, Julian, Julian. And I can tell this guy's getting a little annoyed because it's not Julian. And then the announcer announces me as him. And at that oh, point, snap. it was over. <laughs> you're impersonating him. You're pretending to be him, all that. But other than that, we haven't really switched places. That's crazy. So, <laughs> Well, because I'm used to being confused for him. Like, literally... When my brother was mayor, I would be home walking in the streets of San Antonio, and probably 10 or 15 times a day, people would call me mayor. So, I mean, so you're one minute younger than your brother, right. right? You both went to Stanford. You both went to Harvard. You have, at least on paper, like identical lives, right? Yeah. Is it hard, like, did you ever feel, like, pressure to, like, do something, like, completely, like, left field to stand out more so that people wouldn't look at you and, like, immediately think of him? You know, it was, it was weird, actually. Um, we went to college together. We went to law school together. We grew up with, after, my parents were together until we were eight, so after that we lived with my mom and my grandmother, and we shared a room uh, for 17 years till we went away for school. So I noticed that when I went to college, I would always say, like, if, if I was talking to you guys, I would say our mom or our dad, even though I was talking about my, my mom, my brother and my mom. You know, it was weird. It mm. took me about a year to stop saying our mom, our dad, our uncle. <laughs> uh, so I was speaking kind of in the collective. And I think that even though as twins you can be really close, you tend to lose some of your individual identity. Yeah. Uh, and that can draw you closer as brothers or sisters. And sometimes I think it, it really pushes people apart. Mm -hmm. So we've, we've remained obviously very good friends. So I went to a school that is this big in Kentucky called Transylvania University. Transy in the house? Nope, nope, just me. All right, that's fine. I'm used to it, don't pity me. But I remember, I mean like it was a very, it was a private school, it was very, very white, lots of money and the culture shock that I experienced was just like, even for somebody who's like from Kentucky, this was like the most Kentuckiest place I'd ever been. And yeah. I was just like, who are y'all? How do you do this? So talk to me about the culture shock, if there was any, going from San Antonio to place to Ivy League schools like Harvard yeah. and Stanford. It was obviously it was very different. I mean, I grew up in inner city San Antonio on the west side of San Antonio, which is probably about 90, 95% Mexican-American. Wow. Um, and before I left home for school, I'd only been out of San Antonio a handful of times. And my brother and I had never, you know, a lot of colleges, they do these um, freshman orient these freshman weeks when acceptance weeks, when after you're accepted, you can come visit the school. But my mom didn't, couldn't afford to send us up there to go visit. Mm. So when I went off to Stanford, uh, we showed up there uh, for the first time, never having seen it. And uh, I remember that we took three bags each because that's the most that Southwest Airlines would allow you to take. Mm. <laughs> uh, and my, my dad bought us the cheapest ticket that he could buy. So we stopped in El Paso and then San Diego and then on to San Francisco. But I swear to God, we cried like the first hour on the flight uh, because we were leaving home and we'd never really Aww. been away from home. So it was a different experience. But in terms of being homesick, you know, I give credit to a lot of people that that don't have a twin brother or don't have a sibling that they went to college with because it was kind of different for my brother and I because we always had somebody that was a best friend. Right. Uh, and I saw a lot of people that went off to Stanford 
that didn't have that. And, and as, as hard as it was being homesick for us, never having really been away from home, uh, there were people that were there absolutely on their own trying to make it. So I think they kind of had a tougher time. Mm -hmm. So you and I are both the brown people from red states, right? Oh, yeah. Um, I could sit here and talk to you all day about the stresses and struggles that I personally feel when I go back home. But talk to me about what's hardest about being brown in the red state of Texas for you. Well, I just think that the politics of Texas, uh, no question, look, Texas hasn't elected a Democrat statewide since 1994. Mm. Uh, I think it's the state that's gone the longest now without electing a Democrat statewide. I just don't think that the statewide politicians represent most, uh, most Texans. Uh, they represent most voters, that's clear, because they win the elections. But our voter participation rate in 2014 was 32%. Uh, wow. among, among Latinos, among Hispanics, it was 27%. So wow. that's tough. It's tough to see some of, the, some of the extreme positions that our lieutenant governor, for example, has taken, or Ted Cruz. You know, every statewide Republican in Texas basically wants to be Ted Cruz. Uh, that is their <laughs> idol. Uh, so that oh gives you, it gives you a sense of the politics, you know. Pray and, for Texas. Uh, and, and, <laughs> yeah. But they got a great river. I think yeah. a beautiful river. <laughs> the river walk, yes. Come for the Alamo and the river walk, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, I want to ask you a bit about voters and being, and, the, and a Texas question too, which is that we're living in this time right now where things are very polarized. We just came out of Cleveland Convention. Yeah. You're a guy, uh, you know, Trump did very well. Uh, he, he didn't win your state, but he, 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 he's done well there. Yeah. These voters are, a lot of them are in your state, right? People like that. And I want to yeah. know, do you think that Trump supporters are racists? Ooh. I think some of them probably, yeah. Uh, I definitely don't think all of them are. I think um, there's a lot of fear about the economy. Uh, but, you know, when you've got David Duke and white supremacists who are pushing him actively, uh, congratulating him and pushing his candidacy on Twitter and on Facebook and all these social media, then, yeah, I think the answer is yes. Mm. Do you have any idea sort of where that has come from to see that kind of just be, become so overt now? I mean, the sort of racial language that we've seen and people just feel very confident, it seems like, in saying things that are very divisive at best, right? Where does that come from, do you think? Yeah, uh, like, was it always there or is this just a perfect storm where people finally feel comfortable saying what they've always felt? I think that he's brought a lot of that to the surface. Uh, and I think that he has purposely been very divisive and, and stoked people's fear and resentment. Mm. Uh, you know, he kicked off his campaign by talking about Mexican immigrants being rapists and murderers. You know, I heard that as somebody whose grandmother came here. My grandmother was six years old. She came to the United States from Mexico as an orphan with her younger sister. Uh, and so you can imagine, you know, when I hear somebody say that, uh, I, I think it doesn't anywhere near represent the millions of people, uh, immigrants, Mexican and non-Mexican, uh, who are here. Um, you know, certainly there, there, are, there are people who have done bad things and they're bad apples, mm -hmm. uh, but I think that, you know, if somebody commits a crime against somebody else, they don't do it because they're an immigrant, they do it because they're a bad person. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and, and that's true about somebody who's an immigrant or a, a native-born U.S. citizen or whatever. Mm -hmm. I want to ask you a couple questions about... So I want to ask you a couple of questions about, about your party, because your party is obviously meeting here in town. 
the first night of the Democratic Convention is underway right now. We started off with a monsoon. So far, we've seen, uh, <laughs> beyond the monsoon, we've seen a, a, a torrent of booing. Uh, at, you know, the Bernie people are, they shouted down uh, the prayer at the beginning of the they event. They Jesus, okay. They've, wow. they've been going... I, I, so, I, didn't, I wasn't there for that. So you come into the convention. You've got the Democratic Party chair has been forced to quit under these emails. You've, you've, you've got this booing going on. Um, should Democrats be freaked out right now? Great question. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's been a, obviously a rocky start. Um, mm-hmm. But no, I think in the long term, Hillary Clinton will win the presidency in November. Um, um, and I think that that this will turn out to be a good week for Democrats. Uh, you know, you're going to have Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, uh, Cory Booker, just a bunch of great people who will be up there on stage. The, you know, the president and, and Hillary and then former President Clinton. So I think by the end of the week, if we can get past this first day, <laughs> uh, I think we'll be okay. But some of these Bernie supporters that are here really seem hell-bent on disrupting this thing any way they can. I wonder if you feel like we're getting to a point where they might be hurting Hillary's chances in November to have this stuff on TV and all and, and watch this stuff. I hope not, and I think that most of them will end up supporting her. Um, I realize that there are a lot of people, obviously, that are very upset about the emails that came out from the DNC and you know the Russians that may have hacked the DNC or not. We don't know for sure yet what happened. Um, and there's a lot of passion and a lot of energy, and that can be a very good thing because it motivates people to go out and vote in November. But just like any other energy, it has to be channeled into something positive. The email leak from the, from the DNC, which obviously exposed a lot of internal conversations inside the DNC. You and I were just talking before about how anybody's emails might look pretty bad if they were out there. But sure. they did fuel some of these grievances that Bernie people have. There was a suggestion. Yeah. I mean... Just because you're paranoid does right. not mean you're not being watched, right? Yeah. I mean, and, and, and so some of this argument that the Bernie people had about the establishment being against them and really working against them seems to be borne out a little bit, right? And I wonder, as somebody who's in Democratic leadership, who cares about Democrats, getting them elected, what is the Democratic establishment doing wrong? Why can't they get this activated base of progressives more interested in the party and less interested in sort of blowing the party up? Mm. Well, I think that you saw that in the course of this campaign. I mean, where it started versus where it is now. Uh, Democrats on every part of the Democratic spectrum, the political spectrum, are talking about things like income inequality, for example. Uh, they're talking about raising the minimum wage. Uh, we're talking about, about uh, labor standards. Uh, we're talking about the issues within trade agreements. So I feel like a lot of the issues that both Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders have been talking about for quite a while uh, have greatly influenced the Democratic platform and the conversation that we're having uh, in this presidential race. And I would say that it's not just confined to what Hillary Clinton is saying, but also I think it's even influenced Republicans. Uh, You think about it, I mean, you've got a Republican who won the nomination talking about the, 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 the problems with past trade agreements, for example, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and complaints with trade agreements, you know, now whether you agree or disagree with those things, it shows you that that's an issue that has really come to the surface uh, in a big way. And so I think in many ways, it's obvious that they've had a big influence on the conversation. That's actually a great segue into a couple of questions we've got from the bot that we used earlier, the audience bot. Um, a couple of people have asked us about the white rural vote and kind of this is a, this is a vote that Democrats have really been struggling with for a long time. And people are looking at Trump's success with these voters, and they're worrying the Democrats can do nothing to reach those voters. Uh, and they're concerned about that. 
do you feel like that, like that's a legitimate concern? Does the Democratic Party need to really win back over white working class voters? Well, I don't feel like we should, and I've said this in Texas, you know, where Democrats get about 23 to 27 percent of the white vote, you know, very mm-hmm. low and consistent with other southern states like Mississippi and Louisiana and other places. Uh, I don't think that we should give up as a party on any voting group, uh, certainly not any ethnic group or racial group. I think you always have to try to speak to people, and that includes white rural voters. Uh, you know, I think we just have to find, keep looking for a combination of issues uh, that can appeal to them. But I also say that, remember, it's a dynamic situation because Democrats will take certain positions and Republicans will take positions, and those move a little bit over the years. And I think that for a lot of even white rural voters, Republicans have gotten fairly, uh, fairly out there, certainly in Texas, uh, fairly extreme in their positions. Um, and I think that's also helping the Democratic Party. Interesting. So, I mean, does this idea everybody wants to be Ted Cruz, do you think that might be the sort of undoing of the Republican Party in the long yeah, run? Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, I think to the extent that, you know, that they keep getting further and further out there to the right, and that with the Tea Party, you can never be far right enough to <laughs> satisfy them. Mm. Yeah, I don't think that you're going to keep having people ride that train with you all the way. At some point, they're going to turn around and say, this is not the party that I signed up for 20 or 30 years ago. Things have changed. An optimistic red state Democrat, folks. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, give it up, give it up. Um, I would like to extend to you a formal invitation to come on either of our podcasts oh, for a you. more in-depth conversation because I really want to talk about your mom and how oh, amazing yeah. she seems to be. But unfortunately, we're long time. And I really pushed hard to be able to do this segment. So on my particular yeah. podcast, we do a segment called... Oh, this is the part that I've been scared about all night. No. <laughs> Don't be scared. We purposefully took it easy on you. Thank you. Um, but very, very quick, weird, not too weird, though, yeah. random questions. Uh, <laughs> Please, just... I'm still in politics. Please. <laughs> yeah, screw politics. There's enough politics. So question number one, would you rather have a head the size of a tennis ball or the size of a really big watermelon? And you have to pick one or the two. I guess a watermelon because then people would think I have a big brain. So mm. watermelon. That's a good answer. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's logical. But does a big brain mean that you're smart, though? Because I know people with real big heads who are real stupid. I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm literally sitting right here. I'm, I'm literally sitting right here on the stage. That Stanton I see over there. Like, I mean. I think your head is adorable. Well, thank you. It's so cute. Uh, and another thing that we have is uh, tonight where we've had, we have the audience set up as a kind of fake convention where people are sitting ah, in not, right. not, not their state delegations, but emotional state delegations. <laughs> so we have Hangry, the Shruggy emoticon, <laughs> and Can't Even. Yeah. So if you had to pick which state to join between Hangry Shruggy and can't even, which state would you join, Congressman? I go with the can't even. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Why? Why is that? Even? Why? Why is that? Because I couldn't even stand that Republican convention last <laughs> year. <laughs> and our last question, then we're going to let you go be great and save the world. Um, I don't want to pressure you, but if you answer the wrong way, I'm never voting you for anything, okay? 
Um, how do you feel about squirrels? Squirrels. I don't have a problem with squirrels. Uh... No. <laughs> All right, time to pull the trap door. Thank you for what, being here. What's... <laughs> I just know, listen, can I convince what's your, you really quickly? What's your issue with squirrels? Squirrels will end us all, I'm trying to tell you. <laughs> now, How I will many... say this. Can I tell you this, this story? This, that a squirrel bit off the wiring in my attic and messed up the, the electricity for he like a week. He did that on purpose. He meant yeah. to do that. Yeah. He did. Yeah, we but asked. Okay like, with squirrels. I had to pay all this money. Yeah, it really like ate through the wiring and stuff. And yet See? you have no problem with them. Yeah, They're I, already I still trying have a, to destroy your person. home. Yeah. Um, no Nah, nah, also no, also no. Think about passing some legislation that would ban both squirrels and owls. Thank you in advance. Also, thank you for stopping by here and talking with us in the middle of the apocalypse. Yeah, thank you you so much, Congressman. Congressman Really appreciate it. So, coming up next is that drunken debate I told you about earlier. We played it knockout style. So, first, I debated Katie from Internet Explorer. The winner of that debate was up against Tracy from Another Round. And the winner of that debate argued against Ryan, again from Internet Explorer. Hi. (laughs) I'm on a new microphone, which means that this is now a new segment. Um, so, once again, if you're familiar with Another Round, the podcast, then you will be fami- familiar. <laughs> You'll be familiar with this next segment, which appropriately is called Drunken Debates. Um, out of curiosity, is anybody actually drunk right now? We got one in a possible. Let me, let me just boo. I'll boo them. Boo to boo, all of you. Boo. How dare you value your livers and, and your well-being? So the way that drunken debates works is literally you get drunk. I may or may not be there. <laughs> I did not plan that. Uh, <laughs> and you just debate shit. This means nothing. Green beans versus barrettes. That made no damn sense. But you do it. <laughs> and you do it until somebody wins. What? Oh, my God. Oh my what? God. Oh yeah. My. Why did now you just give me talking. two shots? Thank you. Okay, so we this get This is drunk. the show, by the way. We're not debating. We're just going to make her do shots for a while. Until we I'll do it. You're not going to show me up in front of people. <laughs> I got a reputation to protect in these streets. So we get drunk. We debate nothing for no reason. There's no points. There's no, there's no reason. Um, not to brag or anything, but I happen to be... The reigning uh, drunken debate champion around the stewed. So I'm very excited to defend my title. Um, just to make sure that like I don't sway any votes or anything, we're going to hand it over to the lovely Jean Grey, who is going to be our judge and arbiter for the evening. You'll be impartial, right? And by impartial, you're no. going to make sure I win. Yeah. 
This okay. shock. Wait, I just want to point out this shockingly became very similar to the DNC very fast. Oh, it really did. <laughs> it's impartial, but make sure I win. I'll, uh, you know, just she has to resign now. We have to get a new DJ. Yeah. This is a whole thing now. We are nothing if not on brands. So I'm I'm ready and I'm really excited to be doing this. Uh, nobody brought me a drink, so fine. Oh, sure. oh my God, give Gene all the drinks. No, it's okay. Boo. I'll just explain Boo. the rules. Okay. All right. Hey, go, go, go. Woo. Here's how it works. <laughs> yeah, people, wash your bourbon. Huh? Here's how it works. Oh, that was good. Uh, you'll each step up two by two. Um, I will give you a pair of brass knuckles and a <laughs> bottle full of Honey Lemon Mad Dog 2020. Oh, yeah. And you will just fight it. Okay, no. I will give you a question prompt, and then you will draw your position out of that bowl. Is there a bowl? And then um, after that, you will have two minutes to um, either end each other's lives or win the argument. Uh, at the end of two minutes, when you hear this sound, <laughs> <laughs> it means it's a reggae party. Or <laughs> I love that sound. Drake. So much. <laughs> It's the funniest sound there is. Oh, yeah, whatever. And or it means the debate is over. Um, also, <laughs> I will consult our emotional state voters for their thoughts. So, good luck with that. Vote because, for me. yeah, no, don't, don't do that. Hey, we're, I'm campaigning. I can do that, right? Yes, but ultimately, I declare the winner. Uh, so, if you win the round, you stay in to battle the next person. Everybody good? Be ready? Yes. All right. Round one, Katie versus Evan. Question, which animal should represent America instead of the bald eagle? And before you go, a side note, um, Ben Franklin uh, wanted it to be a turkey, and uh, his lesser-known cousin, Lamar Franklin, wanted it to be a jive turkey. Lamar Franklin was a good man, Tracy. <laughs> and ahead of his time, apparently, with slang. Um, so, so this is how it works, right? Like, so you guys tell me what you got, right? And then I tell Meg to hit the clock? Yeah. Okay, so? I have an uh, otter. All right, uh, I'm, an, I'm arguing in favor of a pug named Steve. Aww. A pug named Steve and honor. Sounds like a fair battle. Meg, hit the clock! Now, the thing with otters, uh, not only are they an adorable uh, sea mammal, but uh, as many of you may know, otter is also the name for gay men who are thin but hairy as opposed to (laughs) bears who are larger and hairy. Um, And I think that an otter is really such a beautiful symbol of the inclusiveness of our beautiful country, uh, of American people, that we would make, you know, there's no bald eagle that is like a hanky code. Otters are the jerks of the sea mammal world, okay? America is going through a tough time right now. We are kind of like a wheezing, small nation with a boring name right now. That's why a pug named Steve just sort of coughing and (laughs) wheezing its way along, but kind of cute, really, if you look at it for long enough. That's why that should be our new national symbol. You know, frankly, I'm offended by this ad hominem attack um, on the <laughs> otter being a disreputable uh, type of them? animal. They just float around on their backs, <laughs> is doing that. No, a pug has to work for what it wants. It has to work to breathe. 
Um, it is a, it, it's, a, it's a real, it's a go-getter of an animal. You know, especially one named Steve. Can you imagine being named Steve and being a pug? <laughs> it's like, really funny thinking about that? a dog it's being named Steve. Cute, <laughs> it's not fun. Your name is Steve. You know what I mean? It's a go. It's a, it's a go-getting. Go getting kind of dog. You know, a, a pug is a dog that has been bred to have, uh, you know, things wrong with it, and what that, that's better, not what, what our country better is. Metaphor for this nation. I think that our country that a, is, is bred is to be strong. an idiot. It has healthy lungs. It it can breathe in and out of its. It can be put into a lungs. into a starlet's purse and carried around. It likes eating clams from the bottom of the ocean and bringing them up and like. But you it, know, does, like, it doesn't just do hands. this all day. It doesn't just go like you know? this back and forth. You know? Locking Two. hands like it's with its little buddy cool. and all right. <laughs> It's a bashment party and also a debate. All right. You made me feel so bad for pugs. Oh, my God. Yes. All right. Uh, uh, the I am... The Steves have it. I am ultimately uh, voting for... Uh, as I believe that just uh, people named Steve, uh, and you know that extends to dogs as well, um, just have t- hard times with asthma. So Evan, this one is for you. Declaring Evan the winner. We are up for round two. All right, you are already walking like you are four drinks in. No, in a good way. It's that was my confident walk, not my drunk walk. No, it's fantastic. Oh. Thank you. It's fantastic. Have you, have you picked out of the bowl? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like to laugh before I destroy people, so. Just make uh, the sound now. Just make the thing. She okay. also likes to stretch. <laughs> okay. All right. So the... Question here. Such a good question. I ask myself this every day. Keep the penny or eliminate the penny? I'm ready. Tracy, what will you be? I am ready. I have on my paper written upon, which says, fuck the penny. All right. And I say, keep it. Oh, that's cute. That's real cute. That's All right, cute. a real, a real, real shocker of sides there. Um, hit the clock. I'm gonna let you go first because I just, I'm about to end it. So go ahead. Okay, probably the last bastion of kindness in this country is the take a penny, leave a penny box. That's good. And you're saying to me that this simple act of Americans helping one another to a penny if they have a penny to give. Or taking a penny if they need a penny, that we should get rid of that? Is this country fallen so far that you can't just take a penny or give a penny to your fellow man? Evan with a very or good woman point. Or or otter, frankly. Literally nobody ever needs a penny. So you can leave a penny if you want to, but it's a self it's a, it's it's the performance of service to make you look like a better person. Because you know nobody wants your penny. Here's the fucked up thing about pennies, okay? You got quarters. You got dimes. You got, uh, oh, excuse me, you got dollar pieces. (laughs) It's fine because she's employed the tongue click twice (laughs) in one minute. You got nickels, you got dimes, 
And then at the lowest rung, the lowest denomination is the penny. What do you notice about the penny? What sets the penny aside from everything else? It's brown. So what? Oh, it's a lovely, it's a beautiful copper. No, 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 no. no. What this penny is telling you is that brown things are devalued. We are the lowest of the low. We don't need that no more. 30 seconds left. Now listen, listen, if you want to fill if you want to fill a sock with coins and take out your enemy, the investment required, if you got quarters or dimes or nickels, no. I'm talking about you can put no. 70 pennies no. in a sock no. and you can quarters, go to town on somebody. Seconds. And it costs you literally nothing. Quarters are heavier, so it makes more sense to fill a but sock it, with quarters. But the investment, you're the investment Three, so Keep the penny, keep the penny. Booyaka, round two is over. <laughs> the system is rigged. This is rigged. It's all Wait, rigged. Wait, did I win? Is it over? Did I win? I won? I don't remember if you would keep the penny or leave the penny because I've been drinking bourbon, but it goes to Tracy. <laughs> round three. Oh, shit. Nobody cares anymore. We're doing a thing. <laughs> oh, this is a good one. A real, real good one. Yeah. Very, very excited. Yeah. I'm psyched. Very, very excited. You should all be excited, too. Okay, yeah. Okay. I'm Last ready. round to end the night, to win it all, to murder each other's families. Okay. <laughs> very important. Do not fuck up on this one. Question. Who should replace Ben Franklin on the $100 bill? Tracy, what do you have? I have the one, the only, the iconic, the legendary, Terry Gross, host of NPR's Fresh Air. Order, order. Oh, man. Philly's own Terry All right. Gross. All right. I have the actually one of a kind, actually iconic, actually legendary Jean Grey. Oh! oh! This is This epic. has just become very difficult! Wait, wait, who you epic. got? Wait, what? Oh, come on! <laughs> oh, my God! Can I just suggest this as a picture? I love it. I think oh, yeah. that's going to be half my platform, I'm pretty sure. Mm. Tracy, okay. uh, huh? don't betray your people. <laughs> <laughs> it's done. We're finished. This is the greatest debate of all time. It's Lincoln-Douglas debate, this debate. Are we all ready for the last debate of the night, you guys? Nope. Nope. Fantastic. Don't let black people down, Tracy. Man, hit the (laughs) clock. Okay, so here's why I think Jim Gray would make a great person to go on the $100 bill. Okay, so as someone who wanted a septum piercing but can't pull it off, she can pull off a septum piercing, and that's incredibly, incredibly impressive. Also... Also, instead of a cash machine sound, like a ching it could be a bah, 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 every time you give someone a $100 bill, which could be really fun. Also, the motto on the 100 could be guns, 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 hamburgers, and more guns, which I feel it could really fit with like, what I would want to spend $100 bills on in this new world, which would be guns, guns, and hamburgers. Okay. That's also, I, I, uh, you guys made fun of me backstage, but I don't know who Terry Gross is. Uh, okay. All right. No, One twenty-two seconds. But here's the thing. Shit. Okay. Let me tell you, let me, let me talk to you about feminism one time. I got it. You're right. 
Let me talk to you about capital S feminism. It's not about black women. It's about white women. And the fucked up thing about that I have is... Very, I have very many white people in Where my are you family. going with this? <laughs> I'm going to tell you. I would, if you would chill out, I would tell you where I'm going. So, unfortunately, for women in America, white women get shit first. Okay? Taylor so, Swift. you got... Seconds. Bam! Oh, shit. Taylor Swift. Uh, you got motherfucking um, Terry Gross, who's great. She's smart. She says words all the time. She gets money for it. She deserves it. Cool. But they are likely to give her precedence when it comes Terry to putting some money on. Yeah, 30 seconds. This is, this is wild. Nobody. Listen, they not going to put a black <laughs> woman on a $100 bill. Terry got to do it first. So the black woman can. T- I'm sorry. I like Jean Grey's tattoos. She has a cool name. She's a good DJ. I think she's awesome. I do too. That's it. It was fucked up. <laughs> Ten seconds. It was just. White men win again. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Two. I agree One. that Jean Grey should be on the. <laughs> The system's not rigged, okay? There's no such thing as... We just unrigged it. This is just an example of how white men have everything handed to them. Look. That's all that is. Look, I take you know, that very personally. All, you know, all choices from the bull matter. <laughs> okay, we're done. <laughs> we're done, you're done. Don't vote for this man. Don't vote for somebody who would say that. Don't vote for me, vote for Gene Craig. Oh my God! <laughs> All right, we will hear from the floor tonight. All in favor on Tracy's fucking side. (laughs) For Terry Goddamn Gross. Please raise your hand. Don't sing! Don't sing it inside some. Raise your hand if you're here for Tracy. Well, it appears there has been an upset tonight. If you actually want to see Some bullshit. this person, Jean Grey, on a $100 bill, how do you feel? Please raise your hands right now. The piece of shit gavel has decided. Tracy, you have been dethroned. Ooh. But it also involved another black woman being on the hundred dollar bill, Yay! so we kind of win anyway. Everybody wins. Everybody wins. <laughs> um, no, but ends, honestly, right? that was fucked up. I don't know who Terry Gross is. Me neither. I've I never no seen the we, we all knew that. We all knew that. Don't know. I thought it was the creepy photographer guy. Had- we are in Terry Gross's town. Terry oh. Gross is a hero. Oh. An amazing interviewer and reporter. Okay. I got to stand up for Terry Gross on this. <laughs> W-H-Y-Y, what? Friends, Romans, countrymen, the show is over. Um, I know. Did y'all have fun? I love you. You look great. I do. Oh, my God. No, I love you. <laughs> I love you. I also love Jean Grey. Who I love you too. Yes. Give it the fuck up for being our live musical guest, for um, stealing the job 
of making music from our show from Don Will, who was a great man, but still oh, a man, yeah, so he'll no. be fine. No, I like Shout stealing a you. good job. Um, yeah. Thank you to the Trocadero. I hope the drinks were great. I'm sure they were. I hope the eats were great. I'm certain they were. Um, thank you to Katie and Ryan of Internet Explorer. Thank you to Evan of No One Knows Anything. Subscribe, download, Everyone listen. give Tracy a big hand. She's yeah. been awesome today. Awesome. She's been fantastic. Oh, wait. I want to do a thing. I want to do a thing. I'm probably going to get in trouble but I'll ask for forgiveness later. So as you may have noticed, Heaven is not here because she's in New York holding down for Stephen Colbert. So I'm gonna snap her. I've heard that that's what you call it when you send somebody a Snapchat. <laughs> you snap them. So on the count of three, everybody say, hi, Heaven. Can we do that? One, two, three. Hi, Heaven. Oh, we miss you, bye. Beautiful. Um, stick around for the after party. It's going to be great. Wait. Also, thank you to the pod squad. Oh, yeah, brum, yeah. Brum. We have Miss Eleanor Kagan in this corner. We have Miss Julia Furlon in another corner somewhere. There she is. There's my boo. We have Meg Kramer that way, I think. Killing it. We are nothing without you. We would not be on this stage without you. We love you. And I forgive everybody for voting against me. So. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank Good you night. Thank you all so much. No One Knows Anything is produced by me, Meg Kramer, with editorial oversight from Catherine Miller and Eleanor Kagan, and production help from Julia Furlan and Antonia Sarahito. Special thanks today to Jean Gray for composing all of our live music. Our theme is composed by Beauty Pill. Subscribe to No One Knows Anything on iTunes. You can follow us on Twitter. We're at No One Knows. Or email us at no one knows anything at buzzfeed.com. I'm your host, Evan McMorris Santoro, robbed on the debate stage, I might add. And we'll be back soon with more things we don't know. <laughs>